This is Rugger Matrix America. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff, Editor-in-Chief of RugbyMag.com. And don't forget that there's an awful lot of stuff you can do at RugbyMag.com. Obviously, you can go on there and check out the news that we have every day. You can also subscribe, and that'll allow you to get on and see our fabulous monthly magazine, Rugby Magazine, and some exclusive columns by a variety of individuals, including Shalom Suniula, USA 7's player who does a great monthly column you shouldn't miss. And also check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. That's a free subscription uh, to the YouTube channel. And... We are joined, as usual, by Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, and we're going to be talking about the America's Rugby Championship. Are we excited for the America's Rugby Championship? Are we are we jazzed about the arc? Ah, I mean, I don't know how jazzed I jazzed I jazzed. Do you feel the jazz? Um, I mean, I, it's it's always kind of exciting when you look at guys who get a, a new chance at, at maybe making the national team guys that are coming out of college or we've written about the clubs, they're going to get their shot to, to play well and, and maybe earn a shot on the national team. And um, as you're going to mention later, there's the higher stakes at this one, considering how poorly the national team has did this summer. So there might be some more jobs at stake. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm probably more um, interested in this ARC and the fact that we're playing, we're going to get to play Uruguay and Uruguay is, the next big game for the Eagles um, with the qualifiers coming up in the spring. So, yeah, I'd say I'm more interested about this ARC than I have been in the ones past. Huge. Bruce, are you, put it, you setting aside time to watch the ARC online? I like watching it. I, I hope that we treat it a little bit more seriously than we have, but I, would, um, I w- wouldn't go so far as to say I'm jazzed. I, I, I think that it's something that we – could and should be jazzed about. I think for the similar reason as Pat, uh, we get to see Uruguay, see how we match up, and and given the date of the Uruguay game, where we may be missing some of the European guys, it'd be pretty it'd be pretty good if we can have a showing or at least see that we'll be able to beat them with our domestic players. So yeah, that that part is probably the thing that jazzes me the most. I, I wish that it was something where it was a good lead in and everything, but I don't know. Is it? Is we shall your, see. I is think that, is that your jazzed voice? There. What? Is, that your, is that your jazzed voice? Because it's not a very jazzed voice. Yeah, I'm not jazzed. No, I'm not. I'm not. Not. I'm not unjazzed. I'm just not. <laughs> I think that I'm more classical music. All right. We'll be right and back. We're, we're, okay, we're, we're gonna take a break. We're going to take a break here on Rugged Matrix America. We'll be right back talk about the a- America's Rugby Championship, the ARC, the ARC. We'll be right back. Rugby fans, don't forget that the USA 7's International Rugby Tournament is not that far off. The USA 7's will bring 16 of the best international teams to Las Vegas on January 24th to 26th. Yeah, it's two weeks earlier this time, and don't forget, there's also the Las Vegas Invitational. You're a rugby fan, and you're also a rugby player, and the LVI has competitive opportunities for 7's, 15's, young, old, and in between. High level, or just here for the fun. It's all in Las Vegas. Everybody's here for the fun in Las Vegas. Go to usa7s.com for more. 
But we are back on Rugged Matrix America. And first, before we get it, we, we wanted to talk about some specific players, make some speculations. But the, the deal about the arc here is, uh, as Pat said, this is a huge thing. I, in, in my opinion, it's a big deal, this, this ARC. And partly because the USA men's national team has performed so poorly this year, 0-7, that there are jobs to be had. And, and it's not like... Last year, it seemed like that, that um, Mike Tolkien was looking for depth, but he wasn't looking for a starting player. Uh, he went really young. He, he took a few flyers on a couple of guys, a rugby league guy and a couple of college guys he didn't know anything about. Um, although, and, and some of those guys made the team. John Quell made the, the team. Uh, and, and Cameron Dolan would have made the team uh, from his performance at the, the ARC. Uh, Dolan got hurt. Um, and we've seen in the past, uh, Samu Manoa made made the the Eagles. The first time he made the Eagles was because of his performance in the ARC. But overall, we've not really taken it seriously because um, whichever coach has been running the Eagles has already got his team in mind. He's looking for one or two guys, so he sort of he sort of looks at it to get some playing time for somebody or or throw somebody in a situation he's not ready for just to see how he responds. This time, it seems like it's more like, show me what you have. This is, we're going to put in a, a pretty solid team, I hope, but also players who are going to be pushing for spots, specifically Hooker, fly half, midfield. I think that we've got, I think we have depth, at a few other positions, we probably have depth at wing. We certainly have depth at fullback. Uh, Chris Wiles and Blaine Scully, both playing professionally overseas. Um, although your point about uh, availability, Bruce, well taken. But hooker, I think we got issues there. Fly half, we certainly have issues there. And midfield with injuries and retirement of Paul Emmerich, we've still got questions there. Um, and then, have, I'd say we got questions at prop. And then we got yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'd like to see Sean Davies maybe make his case to get his shot as a full eagle. Um, maybe play well at the ARC, and it's not like we've had blinding uh, scrum half performances this summer. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think anyone. I mean, just about. I don't know. Todd Clever and Scott Lavalla can probably say that they're pretty safe. I don't know if there's too many other players who can say they're safe. I just, you look at it. I mean, that's, that's right. But I, I would look at, I mean, did anybody, and not to pile on the guy, but did anybody have a worst, a worse, a worse summer than Eric Fry? No, I, th I think he, he struggled very, very much, very badly. Did he struggle? So yeah, you're right. Prop is probably uh tight head prop is probably a situation there. So, um, all right, well, if we're going to talk about specific players, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are going to talk about players we'd like to see, maybe not in the, the ARC, but in the Eagles at some point. We'll be right back here on Rugga Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Okay, we are back on Rugged Matrix America. This is Alex Goff with Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton. We're talking about the ARC. We're talking about the Eagles and, and really the struggles they've had. Uh, 
problems at hooker, problems at prop, problems at fly half, problems in the midfield, maybe at scrum half, a lot of players who've got to be looking over their shoulder. And the biggest problem, and it was one of the great points that, Pat, you made uh, last show, which was some of these players um, have not played with the urgency of potentially losing their job because there's no that no there's nobody behind them. So let's get some people behind them. Let's look for some players that uh, we would like to see and we would like to see perhaps push for a spot. So I, I'm going to ask you guys each to come up with – we're going to go around twice. So we'll each come up with two players, but I want you to just give me one player. And I, and I think – and Bruce, you told me about this, so I'm not going to take credit for this. The most important thing is – you can't just be an overall good player. You have to be amazing at something. And this is something that um, I remember Tom Billups used to talk about this when he coached the national team. Uh, win something, whether it is if, if you come to camp and you're struggling in certain areas, but if you're great on restarts, if you're amazing on restarts, well, then there's a reason for a coach to keep you. But if you're sort of just at every ruck, but you don't knock anyone back, or if you're at every ruck and you don't steal the ball, or if you, you know, you kind of run and you kind of pass, but you don't do anything special, then why would you unseat somebody? So, uh, Bruce, that was your idea. Give me a player. I think that you look at a person like, say, Nick Barrett from, he played for the U- U.S. under 20s from Minnesota. He's 6'4", 240. He had been a little bit thinner. He's only 20 years old. He, well, that's not a, uh, that's not the the biggest cat in the world when it comes in, in terms of height. He kind of plays a little bit taller because he's, he's got long arms. But really what he, what he brings to the table is go forward. He makes things go forward. He's a good carrier, making the ball go forward. But he's also a really good defender, and he knocks people backward. He was a captain in the under-20s. He broke his leg against Canada and couldn't go to the to the Junior World Cup this year. He played almost every minute of every game last year when they won as a 19-year-old. He was pretty gutted about it, and now he's back playing again, and that's after breaking his leg. So I, always, I like guys who can deal with adversity that's that's something that is is a is a big thing for me on top of it he's aerially he's very strong that's good so he can catch balls in the line out he played exceptionally well against graham harriman who is an eagle he's great at, he's got aerial skills on the kick return and when he was younger he used to be a fly half so his defensive ability is not only in close in the pillar A B spot, he could play a little bit wider out in the in the C D and E spot and be pretty comfortable in making defensive plays from from further out in the midfield. He's a he's a good line out lifter. He's primarily used as a as a jumper because that's just where he is. But he's in a daily training environment at Spearhead. He has to play with big guys and he has to show his contact skills against Patrick Latu, but he also has to show him against Charlie Baliero, who played for sale for eight years and and who be eligible to be an Eagle in a year. I, I look at a guy like that and say he, he's got a great attitude. He's a he's a hard worker. He's he's aggressive and he's in that kind of environment that we want. And I think that 
that's kind of guy that I'd like to see. And when, when what we were talking about before is that you can't, like a guy like Peter Dahl, who's an an awesome club player and has and has really been an awesome servant to rugby in America. He's pretty good at everything. And in club level, he's he's really good at everything. But at international level, he doesn't bring something else to the table offensively, defensively, over the ball. He doesn't have a great, he's not a great line out guy. He's not a not a great ball carrier. He's not a, a the smashing tackler. He's not he, he's pretty he's a good rucker, but so you can't hang your hat on saying, I'm gonna set the game up to make this guy do this because he's awesome at it. Like you can set things up to get guys carries. You can set things up to do things that they are awesome at. And obviously you want to have guys who are awesome at multiple multiple things, but that you know, you take what you can get. You gotta be really good at something. You gotta bring something. Right. And I think that this guy can bring that something to the table. No, I think it's good, although I think he's hurt right now. Short term hurt. Um, he'll, he'll be back if nothing else. Uh, Nick Barrett, no relation to Danny Barrett or Neil Barrett from, uh, Cal, by the way. So, um, there's just another Barrett. Okay. That's good. Well, Pat, um, you give me a name. Um, I'm a name dropping kind of guy. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll mention a couple names that I'm not going to talk about. One is Davey's already said him. Um, I think he, he definitely need he, to get a shot at the, as a full eagle. Um, another one is that I would love to talk about is Adge McGinty, but he's not yet eligible, but I think he's a shoe in when he does get eligible. So those guys are names I'll drop without using them as my official pick. Okay. The next one, then my first official pick would be Max De Oshibal from uh, the Denver Barbarians. Max is um, a guy who's been around for a long time. A lot of people know him, played at Colorado. Um, he certainly had no shortage of an opportunity to turn people's heads. Uh, but he's not a very big guy. He's definitely not an exceptionally fast guy. And I think that's the biggest knock on Max is that his speed is below par. But Max has a good pass off of both hands. Um, he's a fly. I think I would pick him as a fly half. I don't think he's got the attacking ability of a 15, but he's played 15 plenty as well. Um, so he's got he's got a good pass off both hands for a 10, I believe. He, he's got a good restart kick. He's got a good kick at goal. Um, he's got a good boot in general, but the one thing that if we're talking about the, where he has to excel, I think is his X factor, I would say defense and just his tenacity. Um, you know, Jack Clark, when he was describing how great Alec Letzer is, his new toy, um, at flanker out there in Cal, one of the things he talked about is, you know, he has a, a really good ability to, even when he's miserable and his lungs are desperately needing air he can continue to make plays and make positive, great tackles and continue to work really, really hard, even when he is completely miserable physically. And Deoshaval has that. Max has no quit. He will make as many tackles in a row as he has to make in order to, you know, tell his teammates catch up to him in sevens and fifteens. He's insanely fit, almost always in really, really good shape. And he's a really good defensive fly half. He's in my opinion, he'd already be the best defensive fly half uh, I've seen since I've been paying attention for the Eagles. So going back to Malifa, to Anosa, to Rouse, any of the fly halves I've seen um, for the Eagles, I think Max is probably the best defensive one there already. Um, you know, attack, he's not going to – when he goes forward, that kind of 
tenacity and he's got a nastiness to him. Uh, it's the same. He's not an easy guy to tackle. Even though he's not ex- exceptionally big, he is not easy to tackle. So he plays a lot bigger than he really is. Whereas there are people like Pat Sullivan, who we talk about, oh, he's 6'4", 200 pounds. Yeah, well, Pat Sullivan runs like he's 5'10", 180 pounds. Matt Deoshevall runs like he's 6'4", 200 pounds. So he plays bigger than he looks. Bruce, you've coached against Max. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't think Max is in is an international caliber player, but uh, I Why? see where Pat's. I see where Pat's coming from. I I, I just don't. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that. But like I said, I I he, hey look, he's a gamer, but he's he's been on teams that that haven't won. I kind of look for guys who've been on teams that won couple of things about that number one uh when when max was the fly half of university of colorado they made the top four in division one they had no business being there they somehow managed to get there anyway number two there are two skills that max diachival has that are the first things that came to my mind and pat you didn't mention either of them and i i'm just surprised number one would be a sidestep he's not fast but he's kind of quick and he's able to get out of direct hits get out of trouble. That's really good. And number two, drop goals. He's the best drop goal kicker in the country, bar none. And superbly, not only skilled and dependable at it, but he does it under pressure. He's won games like that. And you look back at the USA-Canada game that they lost by two points. um, I don't know who would have set up for a drop goal in that game had they been able to keep the ball at the end of the game. But if Max had been there, he certainly would have done the, the job and he could have done it from 45 meters. Well, when I when I said he's a great kicker, I, I meant in every aspect. You said of the every game. other thing other than drop goals, so I had to go in drop goals. I meant comma etc. And, and in that etc. would have been covered drop goals. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, I've got um, my guy. Uh, well, I I have I have an issue at hooker. I think that um, Chris Biller has been under criticism for his work rate, and he picked it up a little bit last year, but it's dropped again. And I think that while he's a good thrower in the lineout, he's losing even that dependability because I don't think he works hard enough to stay in good enough shape, and I don't think he works hard enough on the field. And and the guy I'd like to see get a shot, get a look, would be Cameron Falcon. Now, he's, again, he's very young. He's just aged out of the under-20s. He played for the under-20s last year uh, when they blew away every other team in the Junior World Rugby Trophy in terms of line-out accuracy. He was fabulous. And and the number one skill he brings is the ability to throw dependably, accurately, uh, in the line-out so that they win ball. That's number one skill. But there are some other skills that he brings to the, the table. First of all, he does get around the field. He's very, very physical player. He's been playing the... Uh, regularly at Trinity, and I think that that's been uh, a, a good experience for him to, to continue to play and, and be challenged by players. I mean, tr- tr- we, we sort of scoff Trinity. is just a college in Ireland, but they, they have produced a couple of British and Irish Lions, some real stars. They've produced uh, ha- or helped develop Scott Lavalla. So, so you know, they, they produce some good players. Um, but the other thing about Cameron Falcon, you think about the fact that the, the U-20 team had Mike Teo, who was probably going to be their hooker, and he pushed Teo out of that spot because Teo was sort of an X-factor kind of guy, and they were able to use him at wing and center because Falcon was so great at hooker. 
So he he's young, but then so is TT Lamasatelli, and Lamasatelli got capped at eighteen. And I think I'd like to see what Falcon can do. Well, I don't know that Falcon pushed Teo out of the hooker spot so much as Teo's versatility allowed. You got to get your best fifteen players on the field. But but if Falcon couldn't have done it, if he if he wasn't playing superbly well, would would they have moved Teo, or would they have kept Teo at hooker? Well, as long as he's playing better than who else who would play at center, then they would have played him at hooker and so he's, Tails. Okay, so he's a better hooker than the uh, other outside center they had. Is the right. center. Okay, I see. That's logical. I'll take that. Uh, Bruce, it's your turn. You got your, your second player. It'd be easy to coach against you guys. Um, my second player would be Benji Goff from Life University nope. as – I think that I think that Benji was probably life's best forward this year. McGinty was their best player, but they he really he really turned that life team and and got them go forward. I think that the thing that he's really he, Benji brings a lot of things to the table. Again, very similar to my previous pick. He was a he's a three-time All-American at Tennessee and two of them were in the centers. He so he has a bit of versatility. So as a seven, he's able to be a link man because he's not just he's not just a grinder. One of the best aspects of his play is his defense. While he's not probably not the the smashing, you know, the a guy hitter, he's very sound at making all his tackles. He's very strong over the ball. But what he really does is when you provide him with an opportunity to make a play, he does it. He can turn turnover balls into big gains. He sees the field really well. And he was the guy in the forwards for life that really got them jet, you know, got them jump started. They're powerful guys in Sullivan, they're powerful guys in Headley. But somebody has to jump start that that um that attack, especially off of fractured play and broken play. And on top of the fact that his 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 work rate and his and his tenacity often creates those opportunities. He creates the spilled ball. He creates the pressure situation for a block kick. He's actually very good on lineout overthrows or just you know down ball and lineouts. So he, he, I think he brings something to the table. He'd been hurt for a little bit, and and I also again I like the coming back from adversity. I, I'm a big fan of that because I think that. When you have a guy who has a stick to itiveness to want to get to it, that's that shows that he has a mental metal that he's able to he's able to bring. So Benji was like I said, he was he was the best forward on life in my opinion this year and, and having played them three times, I I think we have a pretty a pretty good knowledge of, of the life team and and I'm I'm really happy put him forth as a person that I think would be effective. I, he's yeah. very, very good. Uh, just, just Benji Goff is no relation to me. Uh, neither is Benji Goff's little brother, Alex Goff, any relation to me. So he, this is the no relation double for uh, Bruce McClain and Nick Barrett not being related to Danny Barrett. Um, Pat, you've seen Benji play in person. He's a grafter. I mean, he's a heck of a player. Uh, I agree with everything Bruce said about the guy, and he'll get a shot. Not only did he deserves it. He's going to get it. Um, that's he's kind of a no-brainer guy in my opinion. Um, and yeah, he's 
He, he like he's not a, a very large guy, but as anybody will tell you, most a lot of really good, great international sevens aren't great guys as long as they have really good work ethic and uh, can physically handle the load. Um, that's what you really need, and I think he can do it. So, yeah, Benji Benji's a stud. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of domestic number sevens. We said this is the guy who's the best number seven in the country. Going into an international play, it's much harder. And, and, and maybe that's just a, a case of the ARC is the right place for somebody like uh, Goff to, to get in there or you know some of the other people who are trying to get into the number seven position. Uh, maybe that's the step because they have to learn what the physical aspect of uh, international rugby is like. Pat, what's your number two? My number two is a guy named Ed Mills. He um, plays for the Kansas City Blues. He played with them uh, last season as well. I think maybe just in the spring, maybe not in the fall. I'm not 100% sure on that. But he he started with the Blues last year. He's been he's an Irish guy. Been in the states for since probably 2007, 2008ish. So he he definitely qualifies residency wise. Um, he moved over here to do grad school at uh, Kansas uh, University of Kansas and uh, was playing for their social men's club for a couple years and just I mean I remember him putting in like eight tries and helping KU beat my division three men's team by like 90 points a couple of years ago he's he's an outside center um fullback kind of guy you could put him on the wing if you needed to um he played in the Munster setup over in, in Ireland playing the all-iron league um for Dolphin he's he played at Edinburgh uh college as well so he's got a lot of experience obviously he grew up playing the sport um but he is got a really great step a fantastic he's got good speed not great speed but good speed a fantastic step so he can make something happen when there's not a lot of uh green in front of him or a lot of space to work with he's got a good foot obviously a good pass he's a really uh strong defender in terms of he doesn't give up on plays so he'll chase guys down and make tackles uh he's not gonna knock he's on a miles craigwell he's not gonna knock anybody out but um you know he's also been known to catch a ball at fullback and go untouched for an 80 meter try. So he's pretty dangerous in that. And I, I think that the reason he should probably be selected or maybe he'll get a shot is kind of like last year, this time we were talking about Cornelius Dirksen, you know, he gets his cap as an Eagle and I'm sitting here wondering what the heck is Cornelius Dirksen doing? He's not an Eagle, but Tolkien liked him because he thought he was dependable. He wasn't going to make mistakes. Um, I don't think that you're going to see very many mistakes out of Ed, but he has a lot more upside than a guy like, uh, Dirksen did, and he's bigger than Dirksen, and he can play more positions than Cornelius could. The the, the bad thing about it is he's going to be 28 this year, so he's not a young guy, but he is definitely eagle eligible. And in my opinion, outside of he's, I mean, in my opinion, he's the best eagle eligible domestic fullback in the country. I think the best fullback in the country is Morgan Finley for like Lindenwood, but eagle eligible, in my opinion, is Ed Mills and. I, th- I thought when you, you said he plays well when he, he has a lot of green in front of him or, or doesn't have a lot of green in front of him. I thought you meant he's like he plays well even if he's not paid very much money. Well, I don't think he's ever been paid to play. He's, a, well, he's an architect, smart yeah. guy. So so he and, – and his background oh, – we were talking about uh, Mills before. Um, his background, he's, he's like that movie Play On, right? Celtic, Celtic League guy who comes to Kansas City. Except, except the guy in uh, Play On wasn't particularly smart, whereas Mills has actually got a brain. And the guy, the guy in Play On also came over to kick for the Chiefs. Oh yeah, wandering around that's Kansas true. City naked. Th- naked. That's, for those of you who haven't is, heard, is of there Play a on, similarity it, to that? Um, I don't think so. Don't it's okay. a he's always been clothed when I've seen him. Okay. Play On's that independent movie that is just, I mean, 
honestly, it's pretty bad, but it, it, it's fun to watch, especially since it was made in my city and the bar that I used to work and drink at. So uh, it, it was fun to watch, but uh, that, that's what we're talking about when we talk about playing on. All right. Well, uh, you come down to me and my second one, and mine is Mile Pulu. Now, Mile was, of course, in the setup uh, for quite a while, especially playing sevens, and disappeared uh, partly through, uh, you know, getting under a lot of pressure from his club, I think, to to make a commitment one way or the other, and they thought they were going to lose him for the entire season. Uh, he he kind of took a break. He got hurt a few times. Um, and then he showed up, and he looked really out of shape. And, and Mille, uh, to be honest, carries a little bit of a spare tire these days. And and at some point, you just have to look past that and see if the guy can operate on the field. And here's the thing that I think he brings as a midfielder, as an outside center, that I would really like to see from a USA player. When Pulu played for the Sevens team at the Pan Am Games, Mako Nufe, who was a complete newbie, a complete noob at this point, Mako Nufe led the entire tournament in tries. And I was there. I watched the whole thing. And the, the reason was Pulu gave Onufe a pass right on the hands every single time. Onufe didn't have to slow down. He didn't have to change his line of run. He didn't have to do anything. He said, put his hands out, catch it at full speed, and off he goes. If we have a guy who can pass like that, then we've got something going with the amazing wings that we have. If we have a guy who can offload out of the tackle, which Pulu does extremely well, that's so much of San Francisco Golden Gate's game, then we have an attack that could actually work. So I would like to see Pulu come and and instead of somebody checking out and saying, well, he's got a little bit of flab around, you know, he's got some lo- love handles or he, he, he doesn't seem tough enough because he's actually very soft-spoken or maybe he doesn't have to play an awful lot of defense. There seems to be a lot of criticism on defense on San Francisco Golden Gate players, maybe because they don't have to play that much because they beat so many teams by so much or they dominate the ball well. I don't know, but why don't we just see him play a game of rugby and see how he goes? And and that's why I'd like to see him either in camp or at the ARC. I want to see him put in the number 13 jersey and see if he can set free some somebody like Ed Mills or somebody like Miles Craigwell, or, or you know, uh, pass it back inside of Sean Davies. I don't know. But give him a shot, show what those offloads, and what that passing can do for the attack. Definitely like you guys second round the picks better. And and <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Mills, um, Pat's guy, but what I will say that Pat is really good at is seeing athleticism. You know, I, I think that when Pat has a good eye for athleticism and 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 footwork and strength and and skill, in it, a lot of people don't know that Pat also Pat also covered the Chiefs for a while, so he he knows what top class athletes look like and uh, and 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 how they are when they train. So I, I think that that's a so I, I do like your second round of picks a lot better. That's for that's for sure and. and I don't know if you guys like my picks, but I think that that's a uh, yeah. That was that was those were good ones, and and those guys are those guys can be good. I, you know, I I know Mille, three national championships is three national championships plus sevens. Um, so yeah, I, I like him. He's good. Well, I I like your picks too, Bruce, and 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 I like <laughs> the fact that you mentioned Nick Barrett because I think that one of the things we do is we kind of sometimes forget about 
U20 guys, especially U20 guys who don't play at a high-profile college, and they really can get forgotten. And and what they're doing up at uh, Spearhead and Metropolis, I think it's it's great for them to to keep some of those players active and 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 playing and and in a high-profile situation, get them in D1. I th- I, and I and I think also, correct me if I'm wrong, but do, uh, on one one positive thing that's going on in club rugby is that we're not seeing that that negative response to age grade players that we used to say where that said, you know, you may have been on the U20 team, but you've got to pay your dues. And now we're seeing 20, 21 year olds, I think getting more starting positions on, uh, on good clubs. I think what we need to do yes. is quit funding the U20 team and, and, and fund an all-star team down in Utah to play in a really great league. Because I remember watching the Utah Warriors and this guy named Kite Afiaki was yeah. a, just a stud. <laughs> And I haven't heard his name or seen him anywhere since the Warriors folded. But if that guy didn't have international prop capabilities, then I don't know what who does. But I mean, there, there's got to be some unearthed, some unturned over rocks down in Utah still. I think the one of the things that I did that that you guys didn't do in in terms of of your selections is I I I picked guys who were in a daily training environment. Um. Life is pretty much a, they're at least in three days a week and they got to lift and do things. And, and Benji's also the type of guy who helps out with stuff that they need. And, and I think that Barrett in Spearhead, Spearhead is six days a week plus the two practices that they have for the club plus uh, plus their game. So there's a lot in it. You can, you can get pretty good pretty quick in those, in those types of environments. And, you know, I, as much as I, I think that Max is a is a great player. Uh, I, I just don't know if he if he translates into the jump. Um, but that's the point, yeah, isn't it? Is that he's got a at some point he's not been given that ARC chance or the chance to really prove himself in a game like situation in front of people. I think that that's the that we, we got to that's yeah, what this he is might have been putting that guy under the light. Prove he might have been in the NA four, but I, that was a long time ago. Prove us wrong, um, I think, is the thing. And and I also, by the way, Cameron Falcons in a daily training environment too. But just, just. Yes, 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 yeah. Um, I think we should name just you know throw a couple names out there real quick of of people that you'd that you'd like to see without a whole lot of comment. I think Molly Rouse, three national championships, speaks for itself. Has to be a reason to. To look at him, you know, either you like him or you don't like him, but the fact is he's won national championships and 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 they he does is a ringleader for that team. And you look at a guy like a Danny Barrett, you know, you you got a X factor. That guy's got X factor written all over his face. He knows how to play rugby and he's a and he's a tough son of a bitch. And and when that comes, I you know, those are two guys that I would look at as well. Um whether you like either one of them or or not, Danny's an animal and Volney wins. And there's something to be said for a guy who wins. Now I'm not saying to pick him. I'm not just saying something to be said for a guy who wins. I, I guess if we're throwing a couple of two, I would say, and I'm going to throw another Denver Barbarian out, but Taylor Howden, he's got a little bit of the Mille uh, uh, Pulu syndrome and that he's round in the middle. And that is probably why he hasn't been called up for higher honors, but that kid can play, and he can play 15 or 10. And can he play at the international level? I don't know, but he deserves a shot to prove that he can't. 
Um, and then this is a guy who's we know is down at the OTC. And as Alex mentioned, maybe um, he doesn't make the – well, I, I guess you didn't mention But maybe if he doesn't make the seven squad, he doesn't stick on with him as Zach Mizell. I think he could be a 10. Um, I think he's played a lot of 10 in his career and would have played it at Arkansas State, except for it was one of those Teo um, Falcon situations where in order to get the best 15 on the field, they had to put him in center. Uh, so I think he could he could play at center or or at ten, and I think he deserves his chance to prove well, that he can't. Can I can play. I ask a question? Last year in the ARC, wasn't it Mizell who made that really nice break? I know that Eric Duchel, who's another guy who's a fantastic athlete, kind of fell off the face of the earth. I mean, the only thing I remember about the ARC last year is pretty nondescript and and poor performances all around. Was Duchel's break and I, and and another break by Mizell. Yeah, uh, my the only two things I remember about anything. Uh, Mizell, the the other guy I thought played relatively well was Dean Garicki, uh, um, and he's still around, uh, possibly. Last year was kind of a weird thing. Um, I, you know, Cameron Dolan had his moments, got hurt. Um, you know, the guy who really, guy who played himself out of contention completely was probably Taylor Mokate, who um, we haven't seen hiding a hair of him since he played. Um, but you know, you lo- I was looking at the squad, and you know, finish maybe maybe finish. Uh, with a look at last year's squad to see what happened to them. Um, and by the way, you know, we, we, we mentioned Mike Teo. He's kind of, uh, I, I think he's a sevens guy, but uh, we'd like to see more of him. And um, that would be another guy I'd probably bring up. But, uh, you know, last year, Nick Wallace, Zach Fanolio, Derek Asbin, Stan Moali, Tony Papura, Tim Paulson, Tom Katzfei, Nick Savetta, uh, another guy I think we'd see more of, he's playing pro in Italy now, Graham Harriman, John Quill, Chris Headley, Taylor Mokate, Eric Duschel, and Cameron Dolan. So some of those guys went up, uh, like Dolan. He 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 moved up. Asbun, he's, he's playing in South Africa. Uh, Quill moved up, and now he's hurt. Savetta moved up. And some of them moved down, and that would probably be Mokate and uh, Paulson, I think, um, uh, Fenolio moved up as well. Chris uh, Nick Wallace is kind of even, probably, and so you know that's the group. That's the group from last year. This is not this year's uh, forward group. And then the backs: Sean Davies, uh, Benny Mattiolona, Volney Rouse, Zach Pantelinen, Casey Clark, who's a rugby league guy, Jack Tracy, Zach Mizell, Joe Cowley, Dean Garicki, Miles Craigwell, uh, and Chris Chapman. And uh, you know of of that group, I think Chris Chapman actually. You know, uh, Mike Tolkien told me, and Bruce, you told us Chapman's a great player, and he played terribly in the ARC. Um, so, we'd, I, in, a, in a way, I'd like to see him come and, and put that away. Um, Casey Clark kind of disappeared. Jack Tracy, well, I think I think they know what they've got out of him. Zach Pangelinen doesn't return his phone calls, and uh, you know, Joe Joe Cowley, I'd like to see more of him. I think Casey Clark was having a hard time fitting his head through doors while he was at the ARC. Um, so I think that was part of the problem with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eric, I'm not sure how Eric Duchel's schedule works, but he's still an officer in the Air Force. So um, it may be just a, a thing where he can't play, doesn't have the availability constantly, but he's a guy who I scratch my head a little bit and wonder why he hasn't been, you know, why we don't see more of him 15s or sevens. Cause he's an absolute freak athletically. Um, those are probably the two guys out of the, the people you named. And Nick Savetta, I mean, if we can get other guys to come back and play, we ought to be able to get Nick Savetta to come back and play. So th- I think there's more to the story. Maybe he's just not 
quite good enough. No, you see, you 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 can't you can't get. He just start, he just started a contract at Lazio, uh, 1927, in uh, in Italy. You can't tell him to to leave and go play in the ARC. The ARC, they, 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 the, there's no. F- uh, no, I don't mean mandate. make him leave to no. go to the ARC. I mean, if he was good enough for an Eagle call-up, he would have been called up for the Eagles. Well, no, you see, there he just started. He just started on there, so they, they decided not to ask him. They would have had him on the squad, I'm quite sure. But when you start on a on a contract, sometimes you got to be politic about it. And, uh, you know, the club might say, for sure, we'll give you up. But by the way, you're not going to be playing for the next three months. Let, let, let him get going. They didn't really need him. They didn't really need him. And 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 why undercut his contract at that point? Have a look at him in November. Nick got hurt in the ARC in the ARC last year. Yep. Hadn't really played since then. He, he's pretty dedicated about going to practice, and he's a really nice guy. But I don't. I don't even. He's playing now, but I don't. I don't know that he's. I don't know that he's necessarily battle hardened for it or anything. So I I don't even know that he's ready for the ARC to be honest well, with you. Well, uh, then let's wrap it up on on this thought. Seems I I'm an editor in chief. I get to be editor in chief once in a while. Let's wrap it up on this thought. You know what we'd like to do is get to a point that they have in Canada, which is that guys who are full time professionals in Europe do not necessarily make the national team. When they come back, and sometimes they're beaten out by guys who play domestically, either in British Columbia or in Ontario, and play uh, in their Canadian rugby championship, their own what they call the CRC. The ARC is really one of our few chances to put players in that position, along with the Elite Cup, along with the developing leagues that we have, and and maybe you know life's elite training squad. It's very rare that we can get in that situation, but wouldn't it be great? If we had three locks come into USA camp from the the UK and we had three locks come into camp from the United States and it's the guys who are playing in the USA who are the better ones. Yes. Yes. Yes, it would. I wouldn't. Uh, It'd be don't nice. Don't hold your breath. No, don't hold, oh, your, be nice. don't hold your breath. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff. Thank you for listening to Rugga Matrix America.